0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630
1: Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Well, you know that the WHL season will start for the Alberta teams on February 26th. The Western Hockey League announcing tonight that they are ready to go with the American teams. They're going to start on Friday, March 19th. Uh, So that's Everett, Portland, Seattle, Spokane, and Tri-City will play their games exclusively within their division. No schedule has been put out yet. And uh, it looks like well it's because of an update from uh, from Washington state so that's uh, so portland's in in oregon but it sounds like they were waiting for the state of washington to uh, to allow hockey so at least uh, two of the four divisions in the western hockey league will get in games this year nhl tonight flyers up 1 nothing on the bruins early in the third van reemsdijk has the goal the lightning lead the wings 2-1 with 10 minutes left 17 minutes to go in sunrise the panthers up 2-1 on the predators later on kings and golden knights sharks and ducks tomorrow can you feel the hype it is the oilers and the flames 6 30 for the face-off show and the game will start at eight and speaking of hype the granddaddy of them all the super bowl is on sunday tampa bay in their home stadium on their home field taking on the defending champion kansas city chiefs a lot of legitimately good storylines going into that one to discuss that and more and who knows what else first of all our in-game analyst for our double e football broadcast here on 630 chad former member of the green and gold blake Dermott. blake how are you doing
0: i'm doing great reed thanks for having
1: me on it's a pleasure to have you on the show and also joined by uh, another former member of the edmonton football team now the head coach of the u of a golden bears it is chris morris checking in chris pleasure to talk to you how are things things are great reed how about you doing how are you doing I'm doing very well. I'm happy to have you guys uh, on the show. I, I always enjoy when I talk to you guys separately, so I'm sure we'll have some fun here doing this all together. I want to start here. Uh, were, were you guys not uh, teammates on the green and gold? I think your, your career is overlapped by may, maybe three or four seasons. Blake I'll, Blake, I'll start with you because you would have been the senior member in this relationship.
0: <laughs> well, maybe, uh, maybe in years, but not in mentality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I can't even remember, Chris, what did we play? Did we play about five years together? Uh, no, sorry, four years together? Two, three, four, five. yeah. I think four and then that one bonus year you got in the playoffs. I think Yeah, yeah so that, really five, well, yeah. I had earned that bonus year, but, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all did. <laughs> yeah, we, we played together, um, and, uh, Chris had the, uh, <coughs> Chris, Started his first game that he played um, uh, with, the Eskimo, uh, with the Edmonton uh, football team. Kind of a tough time with that, still. Um, but he's okay. He, he, he in his very first game. It took me a couple of years to get to uh, uh, that regular starting position. But uh, yeah, he made an impact right from the beginning, and uh, and was certainly like we had. Uh, he, he had a nickname when he played, and we still a lot of us still call him. That. Not a, not a bad nickname or anything. He was just like Big Chris. Cause he was just, he was so big and imposing. And uh, so it's just been shortened over the years to just big.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris, were you, were, did you go did you join the team thinking you're like, you're gunning for the jobs of guys like Blake? How did you have to approach that when you're the new guy?
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny, like going in there before I saw anybody, I was like, man, I, you know, I'm going to try to take a spot and i you know, you, you're a kid you don't, you don't really know anything. Right. So you're, <laughs> you got these <laughs> grandiose ideas. And I got there, and they were loaded up like that team was loaded with like older, smart, good, physical strong players, right and then you know I'm there, and I'm just trying to you know just trying to fit in and then the Trevor Bowles, who was like a tremendous player and right in his prime he he gets injured and and really hurts himself quite badly, and you know by that time we're we're a little bit into camp, and I'm just like. God Almighty, please don't screw this up. Like, just don't let these guys down. Like, it was a really good team. Read, like they were, they were ready to win. Like they had, they'd been close and they'd won, and they like a bunch of those guys had won a few times, and it was like, so it was quite a quite a responsibility like coach Lancaster put me in that spot and I was just the whole year to me was just please don't let these guys down because they're you know it, it's such a good team and Blake was a part of that not that, you know it was a, such a such a good culture on that on that team and in that that offensive line group in particular but it was yeah it was a it was a fun first year for sure to to learn from all those guys
1: okay so let me ask you this Chris when you're when you're a young player joining a team that has a lot of high caliber players and i think this would apply to you know football or hockey or ba- or basketball like how do you stand out because you're i, I would guess you're probably getting fewer reps perhaps than, than some of the more experienced guys how do you, how do you make sure at least people start to know that who chris morris is in that environment
2: yeah you know I read the one like I had long arms and I was mean, and that was why I have great feet. And I, you know, so like I fought a lot when I first got there. I remember Lancaster coming up to me after like day four and saying, "Hey, like that's enough. Like we know we know what you're all about. We know you're not going to back down. You need to stop now because we need to actually practice here without you trying to fight somebody every every five minutes, right?" So that's kind of that. That was my thing, right? And I was I was physical and I was mean. And like I said, I wasn't overly talented, but I, I did those things well and i think that helped me stand out a little bit at the beginning and maybe that's why i got the nod over some of the other guys who had been here a little bit longer
0: you know Reed, Blake, i just want to sorry, jump in here uh, uh, talk about chris a little bit <laughs> chris he was just like you said he he was he was very very serious very intimidating uh, when he was on the field and uh and he never smiled he he absolutely never smiled and uh so i took it upon myself to try to get him to, to smile. And I would tease him a lot, or I would, you know, do things to just just try to get him to be, just to relax and to be one of the guys. But I mean, that was his his personality and his nature. Little did I know that how close to death I was because uh, years later, Chris said, he would tell me that, uh, that he would go home every night after practice and just figure out some way that he could kill me because I was teasing him all the time.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> true, that's <a> true story. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Blake and I were very good friends uh, as time went on. But that first year was like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill this dude. I remember talking to my friends back home and like, I, I think I'm going to have to actually fight this guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was uh, That's amazing. It's funny cause I, I can remember talking to Blake. I don't, I don't remember what year it was. It was like my third or fourth year. And just him talking to me about like the difference between being young and just like read, when you play and you're young, you just don't think about stuff. Like you don't care if you get beat. You're just having fun and trying to, trying to knock guys down. And and I remember him talking to me about, look, man, like you're gonna get to year 13 or wherever it is, and you're gonna start thinking about not wanting to get beat. <laughs> I, I think that happens to everybody as they get old. And it's funny because I was my, you know, I got to my 14th year, and it was like, I'd go into games, and it wasn't like it wasn't like I'm going to crush these guys or I'm going to like you do when you're 22, 23, and you got all the juices flowing. It's just like, God, please, like, let's not let everybody down. Let's just make sure we're, you know, we have a good, you know, make sure we don't get beat. And it's just funny. Like I learned a lot about perspective on the game from playing with Blake in the short time I did, just because he was, again, like all those guys, they just had been there and they'd done it and they understood, you know, where your mind had to be. So it's just, yeah. Lots of okay,
1: so uh, I've so, so, over the years for sure. Yeah, so, Chris, so, so that's I didn't know that Blake had never told me that before. So, Chris, I'm wondering now as a coach that, and I mean, I know you have to kind of let players be themselves and have their own personalities, but if you encountered someone that reminded you of a younger version of yourself, would you say, okay, look, man, like it's it's okay to smile, like it's it's okay to? you know, have a laugh, even during practice, I'm not going to think you're not taking it seriously. Like, would you find yourself saying that to the younger version of yourself now?
2: Well, you know, it's funny because, like, I did have fun when I was playing. It's just the way I am, right? Everybody has their own personality, and I think, like, you know, you have different coaches over the years and, and, and different guys teach you different things. And, you know, one common theme all the good coaches had was they just let guys be themselves. Like, they didn't try to micromanage. As long as the guy wasn't embarrassing people, as long as the guy wasn't doing stuff that was, like, really counterproductive, you got to let guys be themselves and have, you know, and, and play the game the way they do. And, and if you don't like how that looks, then you got to look at maybe get a different guy or whatever the case may be. But like everybody has football is like a big mosaic, man. Like different people bring different things. And it's not just, you don't just need big guys and small guys and fast guys. You need guys with all sorts of different personalities to build up that, the culture of what your team is. And I think the more diverse it is, the better. So Yeah, sometimes you get kids, especially at our level here, where – they're so much want to be successful and they so much want the team to be successful. They almost crush themselves with pressure, right? So you, you try to, you try to help kids with that. But, but I do believe in letting guys be themselves and just letting them, you know, whatever that looks like, man, some guys, some guys smile a lot and they make lots of noise. We've had players over the years that talk and talk and talk. And it's like, that's how they play well. You know what I mean? And then we have some guys who haven't said a word, right? And I think as long as you have a good mix of it, and as long as it's all within what you're trying to build as your team, I, I
0: think you're in good shape. So you know, Blake, we'll, sorry, go I ahead. I was going to just add to that, See, because my career path was almost the opposite of what Chris's was. Chris came in, you know, you know, visibly very focused and, and uh, yeah, as I said, intimidating and all those kinds of things. And I came in myself. Well, you know me. I mean, Chris knows me. It was into my fifth year where I had been the starting center for two years, and they basically told me that I wasn't serious enough. And uh, so... It it was uh, I was being myself, and then the next year, you know, I, I worked out really hard and all that kind of stuff, and came back and, and had a really good year. And they said, "Boy, you've really changed." Anything? I hadn't done. I hadn't changed anything. I just I just was playing probably a little bit better, but but I and physically I looked a little different, but my attitude and everything else around football and you know the way I I had to treat it with uh, as fun and be light, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do it. But uh, it it was something that I absolutely bothered the coaches that uh, that had coached me in the, the previous couple of years
1: all right well thanks for sharing that guys we got blake Durbin and chris morris on the line when we get back we're going to talk about uh, you know you guys went through great cup weeks it's super bowl week in tampa being a player in that environment all the hype surrounding the game that's coming up on inside sports <laughs> here from mike he says motown that's what we used to call mr morris at emmy Lazert, as he was our assistant basketball coach he dunked on us shot three point shots over us physical and just unreal he made me a much better defensive baller for sure i'm learning a lot about chris morris tonight he wanted to kill blake dermott and he's an outstanding <laughs> basketball player, apparently, going up against high school kids.
0: Well, in fairness to Chris, there was probably more
1: than... I was uh, even just better Chris against junior high guys, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Blake? What did you say? I said, in fairness
0: to Chris, there was probably more guys than just him that uh, wanted to kill me. So. <laughs>
2: it was a long line, Blake, long line...
1: We got Blake Dermott and Chris Morris on the line. Of course, former members of the Edmonton football team. Blake's our analyst here on 630 Chet. And Chris, now the uh, head coach of the U of A football team. And unfortunately, of course, they did not get to have a season in 2020 after having a pretty promising campaign in 2019. I think I have those years right, Chris. It seems like long ago that we were last talking about actual games. Um, All right, Blake, I'll, I'll start with you. It is uh, it is Super Bowl week. You went through Grey Cup week. You're the, it's the only game on the schedule. Media descends upon the host city from all over the country. You know whether it's Canada or the states, looking for a story. Um, everybody's excited about the game. Uh, c- can you can you block it out? Is it worth trying to to block it out? Or how did you deal with it?
0: Well, you know, I, I was lucky enough, and Chris, uh, I, I think you went to four as well, or I think, uh, but. Certainly, we played in, in, uh, in two together. And uh, um, and when the Grey Cup typically happens, it's the last game of the season. Rarely was there any other football game played in Canada. And in 1980, in, uh, in November, I played in the Vanier Cup game, which was a week after the Grey Cup. So so when you're the last football game in Canada, there's an awful lot of eyes that are on you. and But as players... I thought we always managed. The only year that I even even went out to take a look at what was going on was in, in 96 the last great cup that I played in because I'd come out of retirement and I you know I was I, I knew this was going to be my last game and and I went out to a couple of events just to see them. I never stuck stuck around at them or anything but I but when you're there as a player, I would say majority of the times you don't really know what's going on around you if you're taking it seriously the way you want to. You know the stuff's going on. You know there's media events you've got to go to. There's breakfasts and things like that. And there's lots of media at the practices. But, but once the practice was over, you were back at the hotel and you just, you know, we we had uh, things that we did at the hotel that we would do. That we, played, uh, we had guys that played guitars, brought their guitars, played music, called the backstage pass. Uh, darren flutie brought his guitar in 96 uh, uh, steve coupe had his guitar in, in 93 and and so so those are the kinds of things that we did we played a lot of euchre a lot of cards but nobody really went out i mean you had a full schedule anyways because there was, as i said functions you had to go to you had the cfl awards that you had to go to as players but but you didn't try to do any extracurricular stuff you were there for it was a business trip and you were there to do a job
1: chris were you able to pull that off
0: you
2: know, I, I think uh, Blake speaks from the offensive line perspective, and I don't think there were too many offensive linemen out of the, out of the town. Uh, you know, the, a lot of guys locked down. I'm not sure what was going on at 3 in the morning with some of the other guys. <laughs> I can't say for 100% certainty that there were other guys out, but, I, you know, I know none, none of the alignment linemen were, so that that I can say almost certainly. it's uh, it, 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 There's different guys in the team, so I know... There's a couple teams that we were on that, you know, you'd wonder, okay, are guys taking this? And I I know the last few days, guys for certainly were, you know, they they were focused in on what was happening. And I think one of the good things about being part of, you know, the the Eskimos at that point, like that culture was that, you know, there wasn't a lot of tolerance for that. So if if guys were going out and anyone – anyone on the team basically got a whiff that something was like, would be compromising what we were trying to do. It would have been addressed by the players. So by the, by the leadership of those teams. Right. So I, I do. Yeah. I agree with Blake that I don't think a whole bunch of it was going on, but I'm sure there was some that we didn't know a bunch
1: about. Uh, I'll throw this one at you and and you can't say one of mine. Cause I didn't know you guys when you were playing. Did you remember a, a stupid question you got asked from the media during a great cup week? or sub or a storyline where you thought why are they trying to hammer this like this is dumb well, they never talked to me. So
2: I don't know really anybody talked to Chris. He was a little more flamboyant than I was. <laughs> Nobody ever really wanted to talk
0: to me. Well, yeah, when they talked to Chris, it was easy to write down his comments. It was G-R-R-R-R-R-R. That's all he did. He <laughs> growled at guys. Just, just get away from me. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I wasn't, I yeah, I wasn't overly friendly to the media when I played. I just didn't have a lot of time. I always thought, like, it's funny because Coach Lancaster basically taught us that, like, you know what? Those freaking guys! Don't talk to them. There's nothing good that's going to come from you talking to those guys. So I try to, touch,
1: I to embrace his <laughs> words and that's...
2: live my career by it.
1: No, oh, I did. I just see. I, I'm learning. I'm learning so much about Chris tonight. You're, you've you've mellowed as a head coach, which usually is the opposite way people go. But, but you're yeah. you're a lot nicer now. That's,
0: yeah, that's... I'm different now than I was then for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Well, uh... know, he's, he's already spoken more words tonight than he did in the four years that I played with him. <laughs>
1: Well, he's got to be a good communicator now. He's got to go. He he comes on the show all the time. He's been great. Okay, guys, we're going to do the news. Then we're going to actually talk about. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay. Kansas City and Tampa Bay, and uh, we'll see what everybody thinks. We're coming back to Inside Sports in a couple minutes. beating the Red Wings 3-1 late in the third. Boston up 2-1 on Philly. Third period goals from Marchand and Corrali, 27 seconds apart, putting Boston into the the lead. Panthers lead the Predators 2-1 with three minutes left. A couple other games coming up later. The Raptors lead Brooklyn 92-90 after three. The Brooklyn Nets uh, announcing about 50 minutes ago, Kevin Durant out for the remainder of the game due to health and safety protocols. So he played over half the game, and uh, now he's out because of health and safety protocols. So we'll have to keep following that story. Oilers at Calgary tomorrow, 6.30 face-off show here on 6.30 Chad, The game will start at 8, and then, of course, Super Bowl Sunday. That's what we're talking about with Blake Dermott and Chris Morris, two former members of the W football team. Blake now our analyst here on 6.30 Chad, Chris coaching the U of A Golden Bears football team. Okay, so... Blake, I'll start with you. Um, You know, the the Bucs' path to this, as great as uh, Brady is and has been, I I still look at this as primarily a triumph of defense. And I know when I usually say stuff like this, you tell me how wrong I am, but I'll risk it again (laughs) say
0: that. Well, you know, it it typically is, although the – the Super Bowl, in in uh, in its storied history, has had a number of offensive blowouts, um, but you you always think that getting to the championship game, this is going to be a game of uh, uh, where defenses are going to make a difference. And and the thing is, is that you know you've got the number one offense against the past, the number one offense in the NFL, and the Kansas City Chiefs, and you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who's um, Whose defense is pretty good? I think they're somewhere around sixth, but they're uh, uh, they're seventh in, in total defense. Uh, they're number one against the run. the The thing is, is that the Chiefs don't run the ball that much, other than uh, I think they're twentieth or twenty first against the run, but they're number one against the pass. and uh, And the Buccaneers' defense against the pass is. Uh, is quite a bit, uh, quite a bit lower than that. Like their pass defense is 21st. So, um, I, I see this as being a, a game where both offenses, uh, because the Buccaneers don't throw, uh, they don't run the ball a ton. I think they're in the 20s in the league for for rushing, and uh, uh, they're number two in passing. And so the number two passing team is playing against the number one passing team. So, I'm guessing that we're going to see the ball in the air a fair bit. And, uh, you know, with uh, Tom Brady in the last seven games throwing 19 touchdown passes and has, has a passer rating of 110 and, and averaging 313 yards in those last uh, seven games, we're going to see the ball near And we know what Patrick Mahomes can do. His numbers are, are, are comparable to that. Uh, Brady was over 4,600 yards passing. Uh, Mahomes was 4,700 yards passing. This is what we're going to see. Uh, the, the one thing that that uh, the only thing that, you know, I was reading about this in the paper this morning that, that makes uh, where you can see a weakness on either team because defenses are pretty good. You know, the Bucks have some pretty good guys up front N- and the Dominican Sue and, Su and, and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul who didn't practice on Wednesday. I think he's practiced now, but, but they've got some really good guys in Barrett on their defense. Their defense is really strong, but uh, you're going to see you're going to see a creative team in the Kansas City Chiefs they run some really cool plays they're very well coached they uh they set things up and you've got a guy that is just the a quarterback who's who's the you know the the model for what quarterbacks in the NFL now quarterbacks in, in football are to be guys that are mobile, active, smart, and control from all kinds of weird angles and which is what pat Pat Mahomes can do so i I like I, I really think this is cool. I mean you got a forty three year old guy who's been there more than anybody else. If he loses this game, he will have also lost it more than anybody else. he's won more than anybody else and lost it and Mahomes could be the youngest guy to ever win uh, two, two Super Bowls before he's 25. So, so this is going to be a real cool matchup. But uh, in, in my heart, I'm cheering for the old guy because I think, um, I think he's got some game left in him. And this defense uh, going up against Kansas City's offensive line that's missing three starters from when they won last year, and they've lost their starting right tackle, uh, Fisher, like a couple weeks ago. So this is they're banged up up front. But they've still been able to continue to win games.
1: Well, and I'm glad you brought up Eric Fisher, and that's where I want to go to Chris, who you know is a really good offensive lineman who has been declared out. I think you know the earlier in the week they kept saying maybe questionable, and now he's not going to play. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you you played on the O line, and and you've coached O linemen and how does that how does that throw things off? I mean, look, usually on the offense, well, if the quarterback is is hurt, everybody's throwing a fit, wondering how they're going to play, but. When a team loses an offensive lineman at this time of the year, how does an offense adapt to that?
2: Well, I think honestly, like a Kansas City should be favored in the game. I I don't think they are. Like I, I if you look at them and if if they're intact with both their tackles, I think Kansas City's you know a seven point probably victory in the game. Their tackles are both out, and campus ends are unbelievably good. And you know, in Donica Sue he's their worst D lineman. Like they're nose guards and all-star like he, he, and he'd been out from all the playoffs until he got back. Vita Volar, I think, I think his name is like, he was, he's pushing two guys back every play and he creates that push in the pocket. So now you got two tackles who are out and you got those two edge rushers coming around the outside and you can't step up because you got that those pressure guys from the inside it's going to be it's going to be anybody's game and and i honestly think Kansas City probably overall has a better team and a more explosive offense and they, and they do some more innovative things but i think their game's going to be limited they're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield the way they really want to and the way they've traditionally gotten things done he's going to have to get the ball out of his hands, and he's got to get it out of his hands now. And I'm sure Andy Reid will come up with lots of innovative ways to do that. But the reality is, if you look at Kansas City and like, how they really done well, they throw the ball downfield. And you lose not just one tackle, but both your starting tackles, and you're going into the Super Bowl against two of the best defensive ends in the league and a team that can push the pocket from inside. That's trouble. And, and I, like I said, I, like I, I I, think Kansas City, if you look at it overall, they're probably a more talented team. But you've got Tom Brady on offense and that receiving core, which they're going to put up 28 to 30-something points. And, you know, can they protect? Can they make sure Mahomes stays off the ground? Can they keep him healthy for the entire game? Like, I, I like Tampa in this game a lot. And, and I think a lot because of the pressure they're going to be able to put on him.
1: So Chris, when, when people compliment Andy Reid as an offensive play caller and a coach, is it that he comes up with unique plays that people haven't seen before and don't know how to stop? Or is it just the fact that he can he drills the execution and the timing into his players and they go out and perform?
2: You know what he does, I think, better than most coaches in the NFL, and it's, it's changed recently in the last three or four years, is there's been a big change in the NCAA football. NCAA football has gone from power, eye, running game focused downhill, physical football to spread everything out and make everybody, everybody has to now on defense guard against the entire horizontal spacing of the field and there's lots of slip screens, there's lots of stuff where the ball comes out right away and you've got two receivers on on two DBs and a guy gets the ball out there and all you need to do is make two blocks instead of five. And Andy Reid does all of that spread power stuff where where there's there's not a whole it's not a big cloud of dust in the middle of, in the middle of the field. You just have the five guys in there and the quarterback the extra runner and he does lots of stuff to stress the defense that way. And that's an NCAA trend, and that's been happening a long time. And actually it actually came from the CFL. The CFL was the first, you know, to run some of the game off the zones concept where you're reading the backside end, and you're, it's kind of an RPO, so a run-pass option type offense. Like, Andy Reid does that stuff, and not a lot of guys in the NFL have. And now he's been so successful with it over the last few years. A lot of people now down there are using it. And some of those old school coaches who are like, oh, well, you know, you don't run the ball that way. You run it out of the eye. You run it with a lead back, you know, all that stuff kind of what used to be like written in, you know, like the 10 commandments type thing, you know, now it's not so, it's not so firm anymore. Now you've got a lot of spread offense going on. And I think that's Reed's strength and, you know, he'll, he'll find ways to get the ball out. He'll find ways to, to attack different spots of the field. But Again, like I go back to what I said earlier, just, is he going to be able to attack the deep spots on the field? Is he going to? Because you need three seconds, right? Can, can he get three seconds out of out of the out of formationing and motioning and moving guys around and not have to win those three second reps for his tackles on those ends? If he can do things like that, I think they're they're in good shape. But that's that's Reed's genius is the fact that he's really incorporated a lot of that stuff from the NCAA, like Oregon putting up like sixty games and sixty points in bowl games, like that stuff. A lot of people in the NFL were very hesitant to incorporate and, and and he was one of the first to do it and I think it's it, you know it's a testament to him being innovative but it's also a testament to him sort of breaking breaking the mold for what they do down there.
1: All right uh, quickly before I, I let you guys go uh, it, so I got the sense though Chris is picking Tampa, Blake's picking Kansas City so you guys can't even agree on that
0: no, no, I, I want Tampa to win. I, I I would I want Tampa to win. I just But who are you picking Tampa.
1: though, Blake? Who are you predicting?
0: <laughs> okay, you know what? I, it's gonna be difficult for me to go against Tom Brady. I, I, I'm hoping that Tom Brady uh, has success. I, I hope that they win. And that that's who I'll pick. Okay. You are a wishy washy man, Dermot. <laughs> no, no, they hey, I've been cheering for Tom Brady for twenty one years. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. You guys, thanks for doing this. Thanks for arranging your schedules to come on together. Uh, Blake, of course, we'll be talking double-E football. Maybe we'll have some free agency news next week we'll bring you on for. Chris, uh, you're you're always great, and uh, I just hope in a few months we're talking about uh, games that your team is playing and, and making a run for a Canada West title. Thanks so much for doing this, guys.
0: Thanks very much. No problem. Thanks, Reid.
1: Blake Durbin and Chris Morris checking in tonight. little football talk. Well, a lot of football talk about the Super Bowl, some of their experiences as teammates and uh, going through a week leading up to a championship game. Cowtown Bob writes in. He says, as you know, I am an expert on the CFL as I won your canned ham for picking the team and the closest score in the last great cup. Unfortunately, I don't know as much about the NFL, but I did attend a game at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. I will select Tampa to win 28-24, but that is essentially a big guess. I did not watch one NFL game this year. That is from Cowtown Bob. Wow, I didn't watch one NFL game. Well, that's okay. I I would have assumed that you did watch uh, NFL football too, Cowtown Bob, but he's a CFL and probably uh, very excited for the Battle of Alberta guy. Coming up tomorrow. It's 745. Kellen and I will give our guaranteed-to-be-correct Super Bowl predictions. And it's, uh, it's time to play Name the Animal, Super Bowl edition. say this when i was i don't know how old i would have been maybe 10 or so Mm -hmm. some of you'll know what year it came out when the video for a criminal mind came out that was the first time i heard that song with the video i was blown away as a a young wilkie living north of evansburg oh it's amazing that yeah and like just seeing that as a kid it was just like well that's it they've perfected music videos a criminal mind by gowan if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, check it out. Maybe it's, it'll seem lame by today's standards. Give but him I a Google. It, I thought it was awesome. Give him a Google. Okay, so we're going to do something that we do on this show called Name the Animal. Now- this episode is
0: brought to you by Hyperice.
1: Kellen Kennedy is at the 630 Ched Broadcasting Compound. And he is going to play a recorded sound of an animal that he is going to get. I don't know where he gets them. He can get them wherever he wants as long as they're legitimate. No,
0: there's a zoo. There's a legit zoo, and I have an animal behind me
1: at the mic. We have the 630 Ched Zoo. So he gets the sound, and he puts it on the radio. And then I, sitting here in my spare bedroom that's barely bigger than a closet at home, I have to guess what animal is making that sound and we call it name the animal. Now, does everybody understand? I know it's a pretty high concept. You know, I don't want a Friday night that might be like, Whoa, what's going on? Well, name the, how, where's the, who? Okay. It's name the animal. And now this, this is for the first time ever, we're introducing a twist so we actually are, these sort of are the advanced rules, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like you get a board game and you play the board game, and then they put out the expansion. This is like the expansion for a board game. So this is Name the Animal Super Bowl Edition. So I I got I just bought the Name the Animal Super Bowl Edition board game box, and now I'm opening it and I'm gonna find out what's in it. So I don't know how Kellen interpreted Super Bowl edition for Name the Animal all right i have to get kay. in my uh in my listening zone <laughs> i'm just i'm picturing I'm you like trying uh, to relax like a donovan bailey in his prime behind the yes. starting gate getting I'm trying warmed to up. clear my mind of all existing animal noises and he's just, go- just react to what i hear he's name going for it animal, all folks name the animal super bowl edition go ahead kellen here we go So this is Super Bowl edition. So I'm trying to think how Kellen thinks here. Do you um, hear one more time, or are you? Yeah, just keep playing okay, in the background. Here we go. I think I think people are really interested in hearing that noise as much as possible tonight. So I'm gonna I'm gonna again do something I've I've done a lot of, but I'm going to ask if it's some type of bird. It is some type of bird. Yes. Okay. And is it is it a, is it a Floridian bird? Is it native to the Tampa area? It could be. It's actually f- fairly wide ranging. Is it some sort of a a loon? No, it is not. Is it is it is it a is it a bird that was is associated primarily with, with water? Ah, uh, no, it is not. Okay. So what did you do? It's not necessarily a Tampa bird, but I know you would take the Super Bowl edition to heart. I know you would do something with that. Um, Is it it larger than a chicken? Uh, Yes. Most of them are, although they can be kind of smaller. Most of them are larger than chickens. Yes. They can be smaller. Okay. Is it oh man like there are so many birds in the world and now i can't think of any of them what do you think that you and i would have ever seen one of these in real life definitely yes definitely is it some sort of a partridge no is it a peacock no is it okay somebody's now i'm getting help on the text line i don't even know if this is a real bird or they just want me to say breast on air is it a red-breasted swan owl you got it it's an owl it is an owl. It is an owl. I was, I was, I was thinking maybe owl. Well, thank you for the person on the text line. You're going to get a canned ham uh, as a reward. Somebody texted yeah. it. Is it a ring ringtail lemur? It is. It is not. Somebody no, it asked is not. If it was a monkey. So it wasn't. What type of no? What type of owl was it? It was a variety of snowy owl calls. So. All right. According to the video, so. Now, what, if anything, is the connection of, to the Super Bowl? Or did you just totally mislead well, me? Well, here's the thing
0: is that you take Super Bowl, you can make a kind of a, a play on words and have a
1: superb owl out of it. Oh, jeez. So okay. there we go. It would have taken me a while to, to make. All right. Well, I get no points for that one. Uh, the uh, unnamed uh, texter to the show who, looking at their uh, text history, um, Often text in while we're playing name the animal. So there we apparently go. He, he or she likes it. So it's a snowy owl. So not a red-breasted swan owl, but still that that person helped with the uh, with the owl. So that's pretty good. Michael says hello. Reed, Kansas City will win twenty eight twenty, but the game will be delayed for five minutes in the first quarter when a Donald Trump balloon baby gets thrown out of the field. Now see that's what I like. Little, there's some topical, some little humorous. That's good work for Michael. Michael, high five, baby. Kevin says, 37-34 Kansas City. Karma finally catches up with Brady. He has a flat tire on the way to the stadium, and they have to use the Zamboni driver at quarterback. Well, <laughs> makes it his sports there. <laughs> All right. We're going to make our uh, guaranteed-to-be-correct Super Bowl predictions. I'll Guaranteed. ask the other hockey guys to uh, do theirs tour. What was it? But I think I was 7-5, and five and you were 5-7. and seven. Yeah. Through the playoffs or something like that. Or were there 14 games now? Doesn't matter. Oh, we need segment music. Here we go. Okay. Oh. Oh, nice. The frozen tundra of 630 Chen. <laughs> All right. Okay, here's the thing, guys. Um, I'm cheering for Kansas City. My, my favorite team was eliminated uh, long ago, but I, I'm cheering for Kansas City. I have an irrational dislike of all Boston area sports teams, which generally follows their athletes when they go to other markets. So I've, I've had enough of Tom Brady, but I'm picking Tampa Bay because, uh, you know, Chris mentioned it. Chris Morris mentioned it. There are some injuries on the Chiefs' So line that I think is going to hurt them. I think the Tampa Bay defense is playing outstanding and they just have that team of destiny feel. And I'm going to go with the intangibles as well. I think there's probably going to be two or three unusual plays or bounces that are just going to go Tampa Bay's way. I'm taking the Bucks 25-23.
0: Okay, and I'll be quick and just to—I I was going to take the Bucks until you took the Bucks, so now I'm going
1: to take <laughs> just, the Chiefs and I'm going to take you the Chiefs. no conviction with your picks yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going
0: to take—I'll take the Chiefs. Mahomes gets the MVP award, whatever. Twenty-one twelve. Uh, the final, and the national anthem will go two minutes and 55 seconds.
1: You, uh, you love that 21-12 20, score. I think that's the third time you've picked it. Okay, love that album. You have it. Guaranteed to be correct. You heard from Chris Morris, Blake Durbin, Pat Steinberg. I'll join you at 6.30 tomorrow for the Face-Off show. Game is at 8. Oilers at Flames. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show, and you just heard from Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reid
2: have a great night. Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. So if you wanna join me for a while.
0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Breed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on 630 Chad.